Chapter One of the Northern Spy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Northern Spy by J. Thomas Warren. Chapter One What Happened at a South Carolina Hotel? The golden gleams of the sun, setting in a bank of purple clouds in the west, bathed in a pleasant glow of light the green shores and clear waters of the noble savannah. A ferry boat had just touched the left bank of the river, and from it disembarked a horseman who, after paying the fare, turned his beast's head to the eastward and rode rapidly along the smooth sandy road which left the stream at nearly a right angle. The rider was a young man on the sunny side of thirty, possessing a well-formed frame and good features. His hair was dark, as was the heavy beard that covered the lower part of his face. His dress, for he wore a rebel military suit, indicated that he was an aide upon the staff of a general officer with the rank of captain. He bestrode a stout-limbed, handsome steed, which was flecked with foam and breathed heavily, indicating that the horseman had pushed his animal vigorously. At last, on Carolina soil, said the rider to himself, in a meditative tone, ten years is a long time, and it brings many changes. The old house must be within ten miles of this very spot. And my father, good old soul, I wonder if he is still alive. Three years since I've had a word from him. And Ralph Montague, ah, my heart grows impatient at the sound of that hated name. I have a father's injuries and a brother's death to avenge and the foul wrongs of years to right. Help me, kind nemesis, yet a little while. The hour of vengeance draweth nigh. Shall I turn aside and seek the mansion of my father? No, I dare not. First I must discharge this important business I am commissioned with. And then, ah, then, on, Dolph and the young man plunged the spurs into his horse's flanks and galloped hurriedly along the dry, sandy road to the eastward. In twenty minutes he drew rein before a small wayside inn. The building had a very uninviting aspect, and it is doubtful whether a passer-by would have suspected the character of the house had not a dilapidated signboard which creaked in the evening breeze announced that there could be found entertainment for man and beast. A low porch with a rickety floor ran along in front of the inn, and seated on this, in chairs that had seen happier days, were four rebel soldiers. The host, a lame man with a club foot, stood leaning against the doorpost, smoking a clay pipe, while several tow-headed children gambled about the adjacent woodpile. How'd you do, Captain? 
said the host, limping out to the stranger, while the rebel soldiers rose and touched their caps. All right, my good fellow, replied the captain, in a calm, pleasant tone. Can I get a bit for myself, and some grain for my horse? Do the best I can for ye, said the host. But ye cavalry chaps have purty nigh cleaned us out round here, especially since Hampton's men have been sent here to patrol the river. Suppose it our old Sherman's fault, however, dern his Yankee picter. Get of, Captain, and I'll have Molly get you something to eat, and I can gov the horse a bit of corn arter he cools off a little. The captain dismounted and handed the bridle to the host, who in turn called a servant, who led the horse around to the shanty designated a barn. The captain slipped a silver dime into the servant's hand to assure attention to his beast, and after shaking the dust from his clothes and performing his ablutions, he stepped up to the bar and said, Well, host, riding is dry work. What do you have to drink? Wall, said the worthy landlord, with a sort of asthmatic sigh, times hain't as they used to was. For this unfortunate war broke out, there were no landlord this side of Savannah, up to Augustor, that could answer sich a question in a more gratifying manner than I. I could then get ye up a rum punch, or a whiskey toddy, or a gin sling, or a mint in the wagon, or a lamb's tail. But them golly days are no war. The best we can do now are a leetle tanglefoot. Taint the best, nor the worst, but right far. Will you try it? Yes, set out the bottle. While the host was getting the huge black bottle down and rinsing out some glasses, the captain stepped to the door and said to the Confederate soldiers on the porch, Come in, boys, and try some tanglefoot. The cavalrymen, for such they were, got up without waiting for a second invitation and flocked around the dirty counter in a body. Now, boys, said the captain, as he raised his glass to his lips, here's a toast. Confusion to Sherman and his Yankees. Hip, hip, hurrah, yelled the soldiers. Then they opened their thirsty mouths, and with a single toss they swallowed down the raw whiskey and smacked their lips. Can't you tell us your name, Captain? Spoke up one of the soldiers, whose straps indicated a lieutenant. You're a bully good feller, and I want to know what to call ye if we happen to meet again, as I hope we may a hundred times. There's nothing in a name, sir, replied the captain gaily, as he slapped the lieutenant jocularly on the shoulders. But I have no objections to telling you. Only you must first tell me yours. How do I know but you are some of Sherman's scouts, prowling around on this side of the river, and would gobble me up? Ha, 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 laughed the crowd in a great good humor. Wall, replied the lieutenant, I am Lieutenant Gossam, 
of Wade Hampton's Cavalry Brigade, and these are four of my men. And he continued with a guffaw. My horse's name, which are kicking up his heels out thar in the pasture, is Creamy. And I am Captain Maurice Hoffman, at your service, aide on the staff of General Hardy. And as for my horse, his name is Adolphus, called Dolph for short. The crowd again laughed at this sally, and then the host announced that the captain's supper was ready. The meal, which consisted of a few slices of cold pork, cornbread, and rye coffee, was soon dispatched. Now, said Captain Huffman to the host, my business is important, and I shall be obliged to travel most of the night. I desire, therefore, to lie down for a couple of hours to get a little rest, as I have been on my horse and daybreak. I wish you to call me at ten o'clock precisely. The moon will be up by that time, and I can pursue my way with ease. Exactly, Captain, replied the host. I will have a room fixed for you in ten minutes. Meantime, I will take a look at my horse, said the captain, who walked out to the stable. He found that the servant had rubbed the animal down nicely and was just giving him a measure of corn and some hay. This servant man was a queer-looking fellow. He was a dried-up, withered man, of at least fifty years of age, with pinched features and shaggy, bushy hair and keen gray eyes. He was deformed, having a hump upon his back, which rose from between his shoulders like a knapsack. His body was short, his head large, and his legs and arms long, slender, and muscular. His name was Benjamin Manx, and he had grown gray in the service of an adjoining planter, who, having died a year previous, Benjamin had hired himself out to the host of the inn. Benjamin Manx was attending to the horse, guided in his operations by the dim rays of an old lantern. I shall want my horse saddled for me at exactly ten o'clock, said the captain. Ye can have him, captain, said the man, who kept eyeing the officer very closely, just as he had done when he first saw him. What do you watch me so for? demanded the captain, abruptly turning his eyes upon the humpback. Manx started but recovered his composure, and said in a respectful tone, Nothing, sir. Only thought I'd seed you afore. Well, that's probable. What of it? Oh, oh, nothing. Spec you have forgotten me, though. No. Don't think I ever saw you. Didn't ye never fall inter the creek down nigh old Higgins' place, nigh a dozen year ago? Who pulled ye out, just as you were a-sinkin' the third time? The captain gave an impatient gesture of the hand. He evidently had brought to his recollection something unpleasant. You are entirely mistaken, said the captain. You mistake me for someone else. Wah, said the man, 
it are lucky for ye that the old boss in thar don't recollect ye or them gay soldiers would soon put your light out old ben are trouble with many infirmities the lord knows he has a mountain to tote about on his back but tain't a pack of sins that's suthin to be proud o anyhow but he has a keen eye and a good memory can't fool this chap captain for i'll call you captain since you say you are sich ten years are a scrumptious long time and the air of fern cadentries makes a heap of change in a mortal's appearance Sides, a chick of fifteen ain't to be spected to resemble a man of thirty or sech. But ye were kind to old Ben years ago, and his memory's big as a mountain. I'll be mum as a clam, Captain. Benjamin Manx, said the captain in a solemn tone, you are talking too much. I see by your remarks that you have penetrated my true character, and that you really recognize me. You say you will not expose me. I will trust you, for I well know the reputation you always bore for honesty and integrity. If you do, however, betray me, your life will not be worth a straw. I'll shoot you as I would shoot a dog. Will you remember this, sir? No, sir. I will forget it. Cause taint like you used to talk to me years ago. And ye order not threaten an old man like me that has nigh one foot in the grave already. But ye can trust me for your life. That is so, Ben, said the captain in a milder tone. Give me your hand. It is the hand of an honest man. And by the powers, it is a scarce article nowadays. But what of my father? Is he alive? Yes. Lives he at the old place? Still are, but growing old, George. And Montague, continued the captain, in a voice that was husky despite the effort the speaker made to appear calm. Ralph Montague are a colonel in the army now. Are up to Augusta, I believe. Uh-oh, exclaimed the young man. I shall soon have my revenge. God grant me luck a little longer. There's still ill will, then atween your families, eh? Ill will? Heavens, how feeble is language, said the captain. But we must not talk thus. It is imprudent. Call me at ten o'clock and have Dolph ready. Be silent. And the captain strode from the stable. Silent as death, said the hunchback, as he returned to his partially finished work and then he muttered in a low tone, I declare, he has growed handsome. My eyes, Colonel Montague had better look out. Wonder war the captain's going. A dark figure glided from the shadow of the barn. It was Lieutenant Gossam. End of chapter one. Recording by John Brandon.